The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. In Pennsylvania, you've got some important choices to make this year, including who represents you in the U.S. Senate. That's why I'm asking you to vote for John Fetterman this election day, November 8th. So when the fate of our democracy and a woman's right to choose are on the line, I know John will fight for Pennsylvanians. You can count on John Fetterman. Make sure he can count on you. So for four months, four or five months, the communists, all the talking heads, they're lecturing us on Fetterman's health, saying it's just perfect, nothing to be concerned about here. He's fully recovered from the stroke. Two, three weeks ago, you might remember one honest journalist who said that he has trouble communicating, that he needs to use a, a prompter to, to sort of process some of the questions as they're being asked. And then the dear leader himself, just a few days ago, gives his hearty endorsement. He says that Fetterman will fight for you. And then last night, the debate happens. An awful, awful showing of someone that obviously just needs to be in, in care, a care facility somewhere, to recover from the stroke. But no, they just keep putting him out there and then telling you everything's normal, everything's perfect. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show on our very own website. You can see it there at the lower third, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. The 800 number for any of the literature we plug on the show, that's one 930 Lots and lots to get to on today's show. Joe Scarborough, he tweeted out, this is John Fetterman's ability, it says, to communicate is seriously impaired. Pennsylvania voters will be talking about this obvious fact, even if many in the media will not. There's a rare moment where Joe Scarborough is telling the truth. He's being honest. If, and, and think about the indictment against the media just, just that statement alone, he's admitting basically that his fellow workers in the media, that they're not going to talk about the obvious fact. It's obvious. I think it's interesting when, you know, we, it was Monday's show, I believe. I went through 1 Corinthians 11, talking about the wise of this world, just to repeat those verses. Verse 19, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written that he takes the wise in their own craftiness. He snares the elites in their own so-called wisdom. They think they're wise. Oh, it's sad. That, the promo, the, the uh, little spot ad that B Barack Obama produced for John Fetterman, it just sounded so perfect. Yeah, he'll fight for you. I mean, we've got to save democracy. And so they push forward yet another puppet not unlike uh, the occupant, the current occupant of the White House, 
another puppet who has some serious health issues. And, and just think about all the years we were lectured to on the health issues of Donald Trump. Donald Trump was crazy. Donald Trump was, the, he was about to slip going down the ramp. He, he was drinking his water with two hands. He was whatever it was. And then this, it's out there for everyone to see. Even Joe Scarborough says it's an obvious fact that he has trouble communicating. He wants to be a senator, a U.S. senator. Where, just like we've said with Joe Biden, where are his family members saying, hey, let's preserve one ounce of dignity here, some, some self-respect. These people have no shame whatsoever. No shame at all. It's all about the agenda. It's all about the narrative. Here again, a perfect illustration of so many stories that have been told, lies that have been told, or, or facts that have been covered up. It's just nonstop. I mean, this was sad and, and awful to watch last night. I just saw some of the clips that you must have seen. I didn't see the entire debate. It was only an hour. And going in, here, here again, he, he had to have the teleprompter. And then for, for some people, there are a few honest Democrats today, this morning, at least with respect to this story, Joe Scarborough being one of them. But for some of them to just, just now accept the fact, yeah, there's a problem here. You, you couldn't see that a few months ago? You couldn't see that when the NBC journalist said, uh, yeah, he's got some, he has some trouble. This was a massive stroke just six months ago. What did my father write in Saving America from the Radical Left temporarily? He said, we're getting a hard look at just what the Radical Left is willing to do in order to seize power and to stay in power. Well, the way they think... He could, spend, he could spend his entire career as a senator in a hospital bed somewhere. As long as he can just, as long as he can vote with the machine, the party. That's all that counts. I mean, in some ways, Sam was even speculating before the show about how that might, they might prefer someone like this so that you don't get, you know, someone like Kirsten Cinema or Joe Manchin who might not go with the party line every single time. They want someone who's going to side with the dear leader on everything. So Barack Obama comes out, and I mean, it's, he sounds like an angel in that commercial for John Fetterman. Hey, hey, Pennsylvanians, I, I, I know you can trust me. John Fetterman will fight for you. And then the media, like a pack of wolves, they'll go after anyone that would dare question the dear leader. Doug Mastriano, he's disqualified because he was at the January 6th protest. Now, Fetterman, he's completely qualified, you see. He'll fight for you. That's the way they operate. And as I've been saying, they're being exposed, aren't they? They're, they're, it's like they're being snared by, by God himself. God's trapping them over and How embarrassing. You would think Barack Obama would be waking up this morning just utterly and thoroughly embarrassed. I endorsed him? How could I do this? But oh no, the agenda continues. They continue ramrodding it through. They'll, they will fight these last two weeks to get John Fetterman in as the senator.
of Pennsylvania, one of them, Zero Hedge, says this, the Fetterman campaign may have just watched what remained of its prospects in Pennsylvania circle the drain after tonight's sole debate between him and PA Senate candidate Dr. Oz. Fetterman, who suffered a severe stroke days before the May primary and cast his vote from a hospital bed, appeared unable to put together nearly a single coherent sentence throughout the entire debate. This was probably the worst of it, clip 13. Mr. Oz, I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. So he had the stroke, as Zero Hedge brings out. It was before, before the primary. I mean, the Democrats, the, the Fetterman family, they could have fixed this. They could have put forward another candidate. It says, recovering from his stroke, Fetterman's answers ranged between somewhat inept and completely incomprehensible. The ugly performance started right from the beginning with Fetterman bidding viewers good night. That was his first comment as part of his opening statement. None of, none of this is funny. It's sad and tragic to see this play out. What a bizarre world, a clown world we're living in, for sure. You see evidence of it. How does the Bible discuss it? How does the Bible describe our present world? Galatians 1.4 says it's the present evil world. 2 Timothy 3.1 says we're living in perilous times. Jesus compared it to Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. Those are pretty good descriptions of all that we're seeing. I mean, so much deception, lies, fakery, phoniness. Where's the love and the concern? You just don't see it in our world. Where is any... Where is there any unselfish, outflowing concern for the other guy, for the opponent, for the guy across the aisle, for the family member, for the members of a family, for those suffering? You go on and read that passage in 2 Timothy 3, and it says there's God again, and he's describing our time today, and he says people will lack even natural affection. You know, natural affection that you would have for, like, your spouse or your own family, even a natural affection like that is going to be a thing of the past. It's out the window. Listen to Chris Cuomo. He's got a new show on some station. I forget the station, but this was from his program last night, clip four. I'm an independent, by the way. I was definitely leaning towards Fetterman, and I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. Why? I felt that um, Fetterman, I felt that Fetterman just looked like he didn't have command of the facts. I do think his condition, unfortunately, is going to affect his ability to do the job. Well, I am a registered Democrat, um, and I yeah, it was kind of shocking to see um, Fetterman, um, and so I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to go on Election Day. Well, this, this can't be good for the Communist Party, 
the, the Democrat Party that is so radicalized over the past few decades. The communist infiltration, America under attack. This was Chris Cuomo's take. He had, a, he had some kind of an expert on there even talking about recovering from strokes and how that the recovery process, if there is one, it often happens in the first few months if they're going through a lot of therapy and that sort of thing. This is clip five. Voters, I think, saw things that will definitely change the state of this race. It's not his fault, uh, but Lieutenant Governor Fetterman struggled. Um, and again, I'm not faulting him for it. I don't think his preparation was great, uh, but he clearly is dealing with health issues uh, that affect his ability to process and his ability to speak. He's clearly, that's Chris Cuomo. He's a radical lefty. Scarborough said all of Pennsylvania, they're going to be talking about this, this obvious fact, the fact that he cannot communicate or his ability to do so is seriously impaired. And yet look at the media. Look at what, they've, look at what they did when the NBC journalist said he struggles with this. They pounced on her. For four or five months, they've been saying everything's perfect, everything's normal. Actually, there are a few, though, that uh, have acknowledged how painful it was to watch a few honest Democrats at this moment, on this topic anyway. Axios says here, why did Fetterman agree to this? One Democrat lawmaker and Fetterman backer told Axios. See, we should have tried to conceal this even more. That's what, that's what you get when you read between the lines here. We, we just cover it up. Put them in the basement. Doesn't matter. We just make, sure, just make sure there's a D in front of his name. If he's a Democrat, it doesn't matter. If he's about to die, if he can't think, if he can't communicate, if he can't reason, as long as he's got the D in front, that's the main thing. Another Pennsylvania Democrat uh, official worried, everyone is nervous. I've traveled everywhere. Fetterman is a deep concern, and this debate will only increase it. Axios continues, a senior Democratic official in Pennsylvania told Axios, I wished Fetterman was in a better place to clap back. Overall, I argue it wasn't great for us, but still a draw. I mean, that's pretty delusional to think it was a tie. It says here, this is just a tweet from a commentator. This is not funny. It's not something to make fun of. It is genuinely upsetting. And if Fetterman, listen to this, it's a pretty good observation. If Fetterman gets elected, it will show the degree to which Democrat voters are prepared to exploit vulnerable humans for political purposes. And again, think, think about what Obama said just a few days ago. John will fight for Pennsylvania. You can count on John Fetterman. That's from the dear leader, Barack Obama, just four or five days ago. And then, as I said, the debate happened. Yesterday was a big day for the climate cult. I think Joe Biden went in for his fifth COVID shot. His fifth shot, which can mean only one thing. He's going to be getting COVID in the next couple of months. This is how it happens. Look at, look at how, how it happened to Rachel Walensky, the, the CDC director. This is clip 10. 
Just into CNN, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky has now tested positive for COVID-19. The agency says she is experiencing mild symptoms. Walensky is up to date on her vaccines, having just received a COVID-19 booster just last month. She's up to date. Isn't this great to be up to date? That's why they threw the big party in the White House yesterday. The, Joe, the fake president's getting his fifth shot. She's probably had five, too. And now she's got the COVID. How about that? What, as I say, what a clown world we're living in. And, and people get up with a straight face. Tell you how perfect this vaccine is. Five shots. Five shots now for the fake president. And as I say, they commemorate this huge milestone with uh, this almost religious-like celebration at the White House. This is clip one. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over, uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I'm here today with uh, my COVID team, as well as leaders from some of America's top pharmacies, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Albertsons. And we're here with a simple message. Get vaccinated. Update your, vac your COVID vaccine. It's incredibly effective, but the truth is not enough people are getting it. We've got to change that so we can all have a safe and healthy holiday season. It's incredibly effective, he said. The first bit from that montage was a little over a month ago. The pandemic's over. Uh, you can see in this, uh, this place of, of business, there's no uh, face mask. And then yesterday, get vaccinated. It's incredibly effective. It's going, it, this will ensure that we have a safe holiday season. So here we are, 955 days in to slow the spread. You better mark down December 11 on your calendar. That's day 1000. Day, this is when we'll have parties. This is when we'll have rallies. This is when we'll say to the world, just give us a thousand days to slow the spread. We're coming up on a thousand days, just a couple months away, less than two months away. And here we are hearing it again. You got to get the jab or else it's not going to be safe around the holidays. You, you got to get the jab or else grandma's not going to be safe. Listen to clip two. Virtually every COVID death in America is preventable. Virtually everyone. Almost everyone who will die from COVID this year will not be up to date on their shots or they will not have taken Paxlovid when they got sick. Five shots for him. Remember, he got the COVID a couple. He was supposed to get his fifth shot a while back, but then he got the COVID. Then he got on Paxlovid and then he got a relapse of the COVID. He got the COVID twice. So he was a little late to get the, uh, the fifth jab. But he's been able to get it. Now he's got five which, as I say, ensures that he's going to get COVID again. Listen to clip six. And if you're fully vaccinated, get one more COVID shot once a year. That's it. Just once a year. He's gotten five in 20 months. The vaccine, it still hasn't been tested. The, the Pfizer people admit that. It hasn't been tested. They want to cram it into all of the, the vaccine just the, the, the vaccine schedule for our children, just, they want to treat it like just a, a normal flu shot. 
He's had five in 20 months. That, to me, I think that's one like every four or five months. That's quite, quite the pace and quite the cash cow for Pfizer, as we've noted so many times before. Pfizer stock, Moderna, they must, the, the, the people that own the stock must love parties like that yesterday in the White House few headlines. Washington Post says whites are now here. Here's more COVID reporting just to keep you right up to date, right? Right up to date with he wants you to stay right up to date with your shots. We'll keep you right up to date with the headlines. All things COVID, all things vaccine. The Washington Post whites now more likely to die from COVID than blacks. Why the pandemic shifted? What is going on? You mean race factors into this? That's right. Oh, yes. How can you have any subject not factored in by race? I mean, that, that, if you're working as a talking head, if you're a journalist in the media, I mean, you've got to have some all things race on any topic that you're getting into. Here's a quote. The virus also attacks unvaccinated adults who Polls show are more likely to be Republicans with a ferocity that puts them at a much higher risk of infection and death. (laughs) So it's those white Republicans. They're more likely to die because they're not vaccinated. And oh, by the way, grandma's also more more likely to die because of them. Someone made a, a pretty good observation yesterday when we when we showed that panel of Trump voters as they were basically fact-checking this journalist in real time. It was in Western Pennsylvania, and they're basically setting her straight on the January 6th, on the January 6th facts. And she just would kind of dust off and move on. Wait, wait, you, well, a police officer did die in the protest. No, no, he didn't. The only one that, that died was Ashley Babbitt. So anyway, the, the whole panel, though, the focus group, they were all you know, middle-aged white people, some ladies, some, some men. And really what they're, the, the visual that they want you to come away from on that is those are white MAGA supporters. They're the evil ones. It's just like they try to inject this into the COVID narrative as well. Here's another helpful headline from the Washington Post. Regular exercise may improve the effectiveness of coronavirus vaccines. There you go. They're just out to help you as we rapidly approach day 1,000. Just give us a thousand. Imagine if they would have campaigned on that back in March of 2000. Look, look, we're asking for a little sacrifice here. Just give us a thousand days to slow the spread. What about all these headlines, these mysterious and sudden deaths. It's every day now, and someone fairly prominent or related to someone prominent. There was this marathon in Amsterdam, I think it was last week, where they had quite a few medical emergencies during the race. Of course, every marathon has some of this, but it sure seems like we're no professional uh, surgeons or doctors, or we're not in the vaccine business. We're not big pharma here. But you're seeing a lot of unusual stories. And here again, all those descriptions in your Bible in the last days, perilous times shall come. This is from the Hague Traffic Police. It says, yesterday our motorcyclists urgently provided assistance to the Amsterdam unit 
Due to the large amount of unwellness during the Amsterdam Marathon, our motorcyclists have accompanied a total of six ambulances from other regions to hospitals in Amsterdam. So they're giving emergency updates like this at a race, a race. And then you're seeing stories, too, of this, these, these surges of, of cases of our, this respiratory uh, virus disease that's happening among young people. Little infants in some cases, this is NBC News, surge in cases of RSV, a virus that can severely sicken infants, is filling hospital beds. Hospitals across the country have reported a surge in RSV cases over the last three to four weeks. The virus began circulating in the summer. Generally, it's in the winter, but it started in the summer and now it's carrying into the fall. It says... It began in the summer to doctors' surprise, since it usually peaks in winter. NBC News spoke with six doctors across five states, California, Illinois, Massachusetts, North Carolina, and Rhode Island, all of whom said pediatric uh, uh, hospital bed capacity has been strained due to an influx of RSV uh, patients. There's that. Then there's all these ran seemingly random deaths. Fox News, 15-year-old boy collapses, dies at a Liverpool uh, restaurant. That's over in the U.K. Also from the U.K., radio presenter Tim Goh dies mid-song during Suffolk's Gen X radio breakfast show. He's just there on the job, spinning records, and he dies in the middle of a song. Sudden heart attack. New York Post, Leslie Jordan, dead at 67, beloved actor, dies... Um, it says Jordan died tragically at the age of 67. How many other famous uh, Megyn Kelly? I think you can add her to the mix. She, uh, her, her sister, she, Megyn Kelly didn't die. Don't, don't get me wrong. Her sister did. I think, again, she was in her 60s. There was also on social media that, uh, that image going around of the pop singer whose, whose side of the face looked like it. she's probably in her 30s in the prime of her life. And her face goes numb, her eye closes shut, almost like she's having a stroke. I mean, these kinds of things are just happening routinely. And, and again, just like with Fetterman, what did Scarborough say? It's obvious. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you just look and see what's happening that people are going to talk about it, even if the media won't. Here's Scarborough's tweet again. John Fetterman's ability to communicate is seriously impaired. Pennsylvania voters will be talking about this obvious fact, even if many in the media will not. They just won't talk about it. They'll just join in on the fun, the party. Let's get the jab. You wonder how many jabs John Fetterman got, by the way, and if it's related at all to what happened back in May. This is from uh, Politico. Switching gears here, the United States of drought. This is happening all across the country. Again, going back to how the Bible describes our nations in the last days. We're just being pummeled by curses. Curse after curse. Politico says drought has engulfed large swaths of the country, threatening parts of the nation's food and power supply, and it's getting worse. It's getting worse. More than 80% of the continental U.S. is experiencing unusually dry conditions or full-on drought, which is the largest proportion since the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration began tracking 20 years ago. The worst in decades. That's what we're seeing. 
That could spell trouble for electricity in states such as electricity. Well, we need that to, to pump up the cars, right? That's going to save that's going to save the world. It says here that could spell trouble for electricity in states such as California, Arizona and Nevada, depleting water supplies needed to cool power plants and reducing the flow of hydroelectric dams on waterways like the Colorado River. This is like the perfect storm coming upon the United States. God's trying to get our attention and and even with even with Jeroboam returning to power, as is prophesied, that's there just temporarily for us to wake up and to see what's happening to our world, to our nation. It's all brought on by our sins, cause and effect. It's not a popular message, but it's the truth. God's trying to get our attention. I've been making the point this week in Epistles class that God's system of, of punishment and correction, it's always, always designed to bring about repentance. With God, it's not a matter of, well, the punishment must fit the crime, because God's looking on our heart. And even if we make a mistake, if we, if we cry out to him in repentance and faith, if we change our course, then God is so quick to forgive. He's rich in mercy. But as we see with our nations, if we won't repent, if we don't turn to him, then the curses will intensify. Read Leviticus 26. Read Deuteronomy 28. Read the United States and Britain in prophecy. This is Mr. Armstrong's master work on Bible prophecy. Where do the United States and Britain factor in to the flow of end-time prophetic events? They do factor in. We're right in the middle of them. So many of these major earth-shaking prophecies. The 800 number, it's 1-866-930-3024. Call our operators today and request the United States and Britain in prophecy. It says here, of particular concern is the Mississippi River, where, low, where record low water levels are making it hard to move cargo by bridges, which is vital for transport, transporting crude oil, corn, soybeans, and other essentials, says the developing drought across the Mississippi Basin is also allowing salt water to enter from the Gulf of Mexico, which could contaminate drinking water. As I say, a perfect storm. Add, add this to all the other crises happening right now in the United States. This is from Just the News. U.S. has less than a month of diesel in stockpile. You need diesel fuel to, so that the trucks can transport goods and services all over the country. And the United States now has less than a month's supply. And you've got Biden emptying out the oil reserves to try. He's got to try to keep those gas prices at least a little bit lower before the midterms. It says the United States has less than a month's supply of diesel fuel in the stockpiles, the lowest level in roughly 14 years heading into the winter months. U.S. energy data released last week shows that the country has 25 days of diesel fuel in its stockpile. Levels of diesel fuel used for heating, farming, and trucking have not been this low since spring of 2008. The Biden administration is particularly concerned about the diesel inventory heading into winter and ahead of the November midterms. There's that. I've got another story here. I went through some of this yesterday, I believe. The education 
of Americans, American children, and just how COVID basically blew that up, set, set the system back decades. Listen to this clip from Fox News, clip seven. Jen, on average, fourth graders' math scores dropped five points, while eighth graders' scores plunged eight. At both grade levels, the average reading scores dropped three points since the pandemic started. Fallout from the decision to close schools, along with parents' rights regarding what children are taught, have made education a key issue in the midterm elections. As you mentioned, John, just 15 days away. Of course, the details are in this data and this report that came out today. We've also been talking a lot about education on the campaign trail. This latest report likely to bring the issue to the forefront of voters' minds. The National Center for Education Statistics measured math and reading comprehension of more than 446,000 students in both fourth and eighth grade. So the results, as you mentioned, John, show drops in math and reading comprehension. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona says it's obvious the scores reflect the pandemic's impact on kids. He also calls the results unacceptable. The pandemic's impact on children. The cure is worse, much worse than the disease. I mentioned the shortage, the electricity shortage that could come from this severe drought that's happening all across the, the country. I've had this little bit in the, the news stack for some time now. It's from Zero Hedge. Alan Ohashi, who drives a, a Nissan Leaf, said that driving long distances in an electric vehicle takes far longer than driving in a traditional gas-powered vehicle. It's only 178 miles from Cheyenne, Wyoming to Casper. In a gas-fueled vehicle, that trip on average takes around three hours. But for Ohashi, he told the Cowboy State Daily, it took 15 hours to get from Cheyenne to Casper, adding it was very difficult. He's got the EV! Took him five times longer to get to, to Casper, Wyoming. It says Ohashi said the trip took place in May of 2022, noting that a month later it took him 11 hours to travel between the two cities. Electric vehicles' battery ranges are unpredictable because owners must factor in extra distances to charging stations, mountainous or hilly terrain, and winds, he explained. What I've learned from driving this thing is patience. Yeah, he needs a lot of patience when he's driving in this wave of the future. This is going to transform the United States. All of these electric vehicles charged by electricity, all of the charging stations that these communists are promising that will pop up all over the place. I mean, it really and truly is, as I say, a clown world, but there's really nothing funny about it because it's an attack, as our booklet brings out, and then you just put it together with all these curses that, that are smiting the United States, that are smiting the nations of Israel. God's allowing it because he's trying to get our attention. 800 number is 1-866-930-3024. Call our operators today. Order America Under Attack. And Mr. Armstrong's text or work on prophecy, the United States and Britain in prophecy. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. One third of your Bible is prophecy, and 90% of it is for our time today. 
This is why when you study Bible prophecy, you often read statements like, in that day, in the last days, and at the time of the end. Biblical prophecy is what makes the Bible so relevant to today, so essential to understanding our modern world. Most people, even in the world of religion, assume that nations like Britain, America, Germany, Russia and China are not mentioned in Bible prophecy. But if prophecy is mainly for our time today, how could the Bible ignore some of the most powerful and prominent nations of today? The key to understanding prophecy is knowing the biblical identities of modern nations. Learn about these identities in Herbert W. Armstrong's book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. In this book, you will learn about the astonishing identity of the American and British people in biblical prophecies. Request your free copy today, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. Trumpet Daily. This morning in uh, Epistles of Paul class, we were going through 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. Uh, and those verses in, in chapter 6, I think it's verses 9 and 10, Paul talks about the unrighteous, and he says that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he gets into specifics. I mean, it's a pretty long list, even including words like effeminate, the effeminate, those who are soft. Those that are just into this, this lifestyle of self-indulgence, they're not going to be in God's... I mean, what, what a statement that is about just God's overall purpose and plan. You listen to some of the, the Christian denominations of this world, and they won't state it like this directly, but, but basically their belief, their thinking is that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom or go to heaven or whatever it is they say about the afterlife because it's come as you are. Just come as you are. You don't have to really make changes at all when you come into God's church. Well, that's not what your Bible says. If the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, who will inherit the kingdom of God? Well, the righteous which says something about the purpose for the Christian life. You come into the, the, the church of God, you turn to God in repentance and faith, and then receive, a, as I've said earlier in this, in this series on the Holy Spirit, you receive a tiny down payment of God's power, God's mind, God's life. And then we're meant to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're told to become perfect like our Father in heaven is perfect. So in other words, we've got to become righteous. The righteous shall inherit the earth. The righteous will inherit the kingdom of God. The correspondence course, lesson 24, it says, I read this yesterday, after repenting and being baptized, which symbolizes the burying of the old carnal self, which was formerly hostile toward God, it says the Holy Spirit is then implanted within your mind and begins to change your mind. Jesus Christ begins to inspire your thoughts. Guide, direct your every action. Live his life 
over again within you as you yield to him. It says, and he does it through the power of God's spirit. He does it through the power of God's spirit. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8 verse 14. These are the sons of God, those who are being led by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit leads us. God's Spirit guides us. God's Word, the Holy Bible, it's a a lamp unto our feet, it says in Psalm 119. And so we're to use this, this lamp, or Paul called it a sword. We're to use this weapon and to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This is from The Last Hour, my father's book. And again, you can, get to, you can get to that book at our website, thetrumpet.com, or call our operators and request a free hard copy of The Last Hour. That's 1-866-930-3024. My father asked, does God directly guide you? The sons of God are led by the Spirit. God directly guides and leads them. He doesn't force them. Obedient sons voluntarily submit to their father. Parents who love their children in the right way inspire a deep love from their children in return. That is what God is doing with us. Christ set the example of obeying the Father. If he's coming in our flesh, he does the same in us. See, God and the the Son are building that same character, that same nature, 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, that divine nature in us, in our hearts. God is reproducing himself. He really is reproducing himself. As I was telling the students this morning in class, we really are here to convert to God's way and and eventually to actually be born into God's family, his kingdom. That passage in 1 Corinthians 6, by the way, where Paul says the unrighteous, they're not going to inherit the kingdom. He then says, after those two verses where he lists off all of these unrighteous lifestyles, people just living in sin, he then says to the brethren in Corinth, as many of you were doing and living in before you came into the church, but you came into the church and you put those sins away, You were washed. You were made clean. You were purified. You can look at 1 Corinthians 5. I mean, these examples, they're fresh on my mind because of class this morning. But God, God said, God through Paul said to the brethren about this this horrible case of incest that was going on inside the church. Paul said, look, I'm not there. Physically, I'm not there at the moment. Spiritually, though, in spirit, I am there. And I've I've made the judgment. I've made the decision. Put that man out of the church. Put him out for his own good and for the the protection of the brethren. Because he said, your glorying is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? If you just let sin hang around, it's going to spread. It'll grow. That's not the kind of growth we want. God says, put away the leaven. Get it out. When you, when you identify the sin, the, the Bible approach to Christian living is to remove it as fast as is possible and to go forward with Christ, to be led directly by Jesus Christ, to be led by the Spirit. Verse 16 says, the Spirit itself, this is Romans 8, 
the Spirit itself bears witness or testifies together with our spirit, that's the human spirit, that we are the children of God. See, when God's spirit joins together with our human spirit, this is why God gave us a mind, so that it can join together with his mind through the spirit. None of the animals have this, this ability. Shame on people who would just say it all evolved. I mean, you can even look at the, the, the animal kingdom and see God's hand and see God's nature and his creative handiwork at play. What a designer. No wonder at the end of, of Genesis 1, he, he looked at everything that he had made and he said, this is very good. God loves life. He loves living, living organisms. But with, with respect to man, he said in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and likeness. Let's reproduce ourselves. It was just God and the Word at that time. We're going to reproduce God beings. What an awesome calling. How many people understand this? People, people would, some religious people would listen to what I just said there and say, that's blasphemy. They just can't wrap their minds around it. They just can't believe that God is saying what he's saying in some of these verses that I'm reading to you. I mean, it's so clear. So plain. Verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Glorified together with Christ. Romans 1.4 says he's the, the firstborn from the dead, by the way. So when he was born again, his spiritual birth happened after he was crucified. He was in the grave for three days, three nights, and then God raised him to life, spiritual life. He experienced his birth into the family of God, becoming God's own son. And now it says here that we're to be glorified together with Christ. Can that really be true? Are, are we really following the same course of Jesus Christ, who now sits at the right hand of God on God's throne in the third heaven? That's awesome. No wonder Mr. Armstrong called it the incredible human potential. It is incredible. It's awesome to think about what God is offering to his children and the deception, the, the, the layer, the thickness of the deception surrounding this entire world. I mean, it's so thick, it's so dark. That's because the devil is the God of this world and he's blinded the minds of men. That's what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Read the first six, seven verses. He's blinded the minds of men to the true gospel. And so man can't comprehend this. Not yet, but to think about what God has in store for us. Trillions and trillions of stars, planets, moons, all these galaxies, hundreds and billions and billions of galaxies. And God's going to populate all of them with life because he loves life. He's reproducing himself. Ephesians 6 this is verse 10. Paul says, Finally, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How are you strong in the Lord, in the power of his might? Well, verse 18, further on, you can read the verses in between, the well-known verses about putting on the whole armor of God. 
But it says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You've got to pray in the spirit. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1 to stir up the spirit. Pray and study. Occasional fasting, fellowship with God's family. Pray in the spirit. Effectual fervent prayers are inspired and, and fueled by the Spirit of God. We draw inspiration and power from God by having that relationship with God. So close and intimate, drawing near to our Father in heaven, our parent, our God, our maker. And the plain truth about he healing, <coughs> excuse me, Mr. Armstrong, he wrote about the first century men of God, how close they were to God, how much power they had in their minds. He says, because they lived and they walked close to God and were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why they did such a powerful work for God. He continued, and we seem to lack that power today, not because God denies us that power, but because we are so close to a modern materialistic world and our minds are so filled with the material interests of this life See, that's what, Satan, that's what Satan's goal is. Any, anytime he can convince someone to leave the church, he wants them to just immerse themselves into the world and the ways of this world, worldliness, because he knows it'll just choke the life of God out of them. Just like it says in the parable of the seeds, the sower and the seeds. You know, the, the life sprung up, but then the weeds just surrounded that life and choked the life right out of it. That's what Satan wants for you and for me. He certainly has filled this world with an array of enticing things. It looks like a nice shiny object on the surface that you just want to play with and know everything about. But look, this world is descending into darkness. Satan is a, a master deceiver. There's no getting around that. The heart is deceitful above all things, as Jeremiah the prophet said, and it's because of the devil. It's because of the devil's deceptions. He's deceived the whole world, Revelation 12, 9. So to come out of that, to come out of this, this dying, dark world, and to receive the light of the gospel, the truth of God, I mean, that convicts you. And then you change the way you are you're made righteous. God's reproducing himself. It may start small, but we've got to make some progress day in and day out on this journey to birth in the kingdom of God. The righteous, they will inherit the kingdom. Ask God, as I read to you, I think it was yesterday, Luke 11 and verse 13, we have to ask for the Holy Spirit He'll give it to us. If we're obeying, like we've been covering in this study, if we're obeying the commandments, if we're crying out, if we're close to God, if we're crying out to God for help, he'll give us that help. James said, you have not because you ask not. You can't just reason that, well, God knows what I need, so I don't need to really bother with asking. He wants you to ask. He wants you to be close to him. He wants a, a father-son relationship. 
We love him because he loved us first. 1 John 4, 18. This quote, just to finish it, why we don't have that same power, so many of us today, because our minds are filled with the material interests of this life. Our minds and our hearts are so far from God. We're so out of touch with him through lack of enough time spent in, in study of his word and lack of enough of the right kind of surrendered, submissive, earnest, and heart-rending prayer. And consequently, because we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, which affords us the power of God, we need to be filling up on that power. And if we are, then we're going to be seeing some pretty exciting growth. Not that we want to glory in that or give ourselves credit for it. God's the one who gives us his spirit, and it's by the spirit that the fruits listed there in Galatians 5 spring forth. You can also look at, uh, I believe it's Isaiah 11 there at the start, where God talks about the fruits of the spirit. Put it together with Galatians 5, 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. You learn a lot from those verses about the fruits of God's Spirit. What, what God's Spirit brings forth in your life. Being led by God's Spirit means that we're walking by faith. We're walking by faith. We've put our trust in God. We're following the example that Jesus set for us. My father wrote in the last hour, it says, We must have and use God's Spirit to endure this last hour. That's the only way to survive. If you want to survive the trials, the tests, even the things that we're seeing in this crazy upside-down world, it's going to take the Spirit of God the Spirit of God. We must have and use God's Spirit to endure. So strive to be led by the Holy Spirit in your daily life, in your daily routine. Make your fellowship with God the most important activity each day. And pray for one another. Pray for God's family. Pray that God's family would be strengthened with might through the power of God's Spirit. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Email the show. We'd love to hear from you. TD at thetrumpet.com. We thank you for joining us on today's program, and we'll see you tomorrow.